Hey you, and welcome to This Week in Games, a podcast series from the fine people at Deconstructor of Fun. So, your hosts are, as always, Joseph Kim and myself, Mishka Katkoff. And today we're doing something that you've particularly requested. Actually, we're doing a lot of things that you requested. Number one, we will be continuing on the last week topics of who will buy Zynga. Uh, Number two, we'll have... Well, number two is number one. So we'll have only one topic, just like last time. So we're going to talk about uh, Ubisoft could unlock a game changer with Zynga. That's the article for today. Number three is we have the same returning guest as in the last episode, Mr. Eric Kress, principal at Gossamer Consulting Group. And if you haven't listened to the previous episode, well, that's too bad. You should listen to it. But (laughs) if you haven't listened to it and you haven't uh, heard my introduction of Eric, I will give it to you again. Eric has held high roles in corporate strategy, capital markets research, business development, investment banking, and marketing. But most importantly for this podcast, Eric has and is helping companies like Google, FunPlus, Sega, Kabam, and EA when it comes to mergers, acquisitions, and corporate development. So Star Guest definitely definitely brings a view that, that Joseph Kim and I don't have um, and, and you know a great person to talk to. And just like with the last episode, please leave a review. Leave a note, send a mail, send a snail mail, send a tweet, send a crow, send a spell. I don't know. Just let us know how you're feeling, how you're liking it. We're getting a lot of messages from you guys and we truly enjoy it. And we we like changing these podcasts based on the feedback. Um, so send feedback. Without further ado, This Week in Games. Hello, Good everyone. Evening, Joe. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, guys. So, welcome everyone to Twig 13. In today's podcast, we are again joined by special guest Eric Kress. And in today's podcast, we're actually going to do a follow up to last week's Twig episode where we covered Zynga and rumors around a potential bidder for Zynga. And in today's episode, we, we will cover an article by the Washington Post titled Ubisoft Could Unlock a Game Changer with Zynga. And so the focus of this article is, is why Ubisoft would actually be a, a, a good uh, bidder for Zynga. And with that, let's take it away, Mishka. All right. So I'm going to give the article brief. And I was also wondering, since Eric Kress is our special guest, it's like, how many episodes do you have to do with us before you're not a special guest and you're just like a part of it? So so, so hopefully we'll get there sometime soon. Um, anyways, the article brief. Um, okay. So this article was by Alex Webb, who's a Bloomberg opinion columnist covering Europe's technology, media, and communication industries. He's previously covered Apple and other technology companies from Bloomberg News in San Francisco. And the article brief is this. So he's talking about Ubisoft, the Paris-based firm, and talking about that 8% of its 1.7 billion euro, which is $2 billion sales last year, uh, came from mobile platforms and one of the most lucrative parts of the industry. Adding Zynga would increase that more than sevenfold. So the real magic in the deal comes from leverage, according to Alex. And he's talking about channeling Ubisoft's existing games, which include Rainbow Six and Assassin's Creed through Zynga's advertising platform, could further turbocharge growth. Um, okay, that's definitely his opinion. Uh, it would also help Ubisoft maximize the advantages from its latest major tie-up, 
Tencent Holding when the Chinese tech giant conglomerate took 5% stake in March. It also signed a separate deal to operate, publish, and promote Ubisoft's games in China. Tencent's ownership of the WeChat social media platform gives it access to more than a billion active users. That amount to a, that amounts to a serious opportunity to squeeze more value out of Zynga's suit of games. The main hurdle, according to Alex, for Ubisoft would seem to be the cost of a deal. Once again, the main point is leverage. A 20% premium to the closing price before the talks were reported would value Zynga at about $4 billion or about 31 times predicted earnings. Buying it would require a lot of depth. And then the article goes into depth on how the deal can be financed from diluting equity through a capital increase to a 50-50 cash and stock deal. Great. So that's so, the article. Got it. And so before we jump in further, wanted to do a brief recap in terms of the names discussed from the previous podcast. So first, starting with the original Bloomberg report, uh, the Bloomberg analysts mentioned three names, EA, Ubisoft, and Activision. And definitely for folks who haven't listened to the last episode, I, I definitely recommend you, uh, you listen to that. But uh, according to the Bloomberg folks, Ubisoft and Activision were sort of dismissed out of hand with a view on Activision being that um, uh, with the view on Activision not wanting to make a quick move after the relatively recent King acquisition. And there was no real rationale behind not considering Ubisoft. Uh, I think, Mishka, you made an argument on last week's podcast for Activision as a company that favored franchises and could be looking to beef up its mobile portfolio. In Ubisoft, we didn't quite think about, so today will be a good opportunity for that so that we can go into more depth. And we also did get some feedback from after our last, last podcast as well, first from Josh Burns on uh, via LinkedIn, who suggested Nexon. And so, Eric, I know you've got some thoughts on that, which we can talk about in, in a few minutes. And also, we got a link to this specific article that we're going to cover today, actually by an employee from Zynga. So, Vishwajit. Kale, thank you very much for the, the tweet. And I, I believe he's a game designer there working on Farm 2. And then finally, talking about some of the Asian countries that, that we, we discussed, uh, Tencent in particular, uh, you know, I mentioned that Tencent's typical approach is minority investments. So it, maybe it's not, uh, it maybe it wouldn't be a good fit for Tencent. And Eric also suggested that Zynga does not fit the typical Tencent investment profile since they generally go after highly profitable companies, of which Zynga is not. And then certainly for Chinese companies in particular, Mishka, I know you made some comments about live ops and optimization of Chinese companies. I think just clarifying offline, you, you actually do think that Chinese companies have really great live ops and optimization. I, I'm going to kind of uh, differ with you a little bit on that in that from what I've seen working with Chinese companies, there seems to be a lot of like hard-coded stuff, a lot of manual stuff. Mm -hmm. You don't mm -hmm. see a lot of like, you know, on the UA side, uh, you know, campaign automation, machine learning. There's, there's a lot. I think there's a lot of advanced techniques that many Chinese companies are not doing. They're, they're sort of solving by brute force. So personally, I actually do think that for a Chinese company, uh, uh, you know, having having a very advanced company in terms of technique, approach, and process like Zynga may be a good fit. And the one thing that we didn't mention last week that may be relevant here is the current legal restrictions around new title launches in China. So from a risk diversification perspective, you could actually make the case that Zynga would make sense for a cash-rich Chinese company against that backdrop of 
optimization and risk diversification given the current legal restrictions in China. So with that, uh, Mishka, drop some knowledge on us about Ubisoft. Why or why not? You know, do, do they make sense? Yeah. So um, if we look at the Ubisoft's portfolio on mobile, um, it's it's definitely not as impressive as they do have on, on console. So during the last 12 months, they've, they've gathered about 42, 45 million installs and about 30 million dollars in, in net in-app purchase revenue. So of course, data from Sensor Tower, take it with a grain of salt, but it gives you kind of the trend line of, of what we're talking about. Uh, and the most installs are coming in from Hungry, Hungry Shark franchise, which they have grown with a Hungry Dragon uh, version. And the most revenue also comes from this sort of an arcade game, as well as from games like South Park and Might and Magic, uh, which is kind of interesting because both South Park and Might and Magic, especially Might and Magic, had very impressive re- you know, revenue to download ratio. Nevertheless, the game was never scaled, so it, it kind of remained a small RPG game, uh, which which puts into a questions of Ubisoft's abilities to to really really run live operations. Seems like they they are just doing these arcade games that are you know surviving by themselves, but but yeah, definitely not good at optimization. If we look at South Park and Might and Magic, then we we also have to talk about ketchup because. Ubisoft purchased Ketchup in September 2016 for an undisclosed sum. Now, Ketchup has doing has been doing pretty great for for a for a long while, uh, especially prior to the acquisition, and especially during the time that the uh, the hyper casual games kind of rose, and then the you know the CPIs rose, and naturally those games made a lot more sense um, due to the uh, ad revenue that they're generating. So when we look at Ketchup, and we we really shouldn't be looking at the revenues because most of the games are you know getting their revenues from from ad monetization but we should be looking at installs because most of these games have pretty you know pretty low uh retention compared to some of the best games on mobile but the whole idea is to produce a lot of these games and and you know they drive a lot of ad revenue and then constantly make new ones anyway so when we look at the downloads of ketchup we can see that the downloads actually peaked in january this year at 30 million installs a month but in September, so just you know, eight months later, we can see that the revenues were down to six million a month. So, uh, not our, not revenues, sorry, installs are down to six million. So we're talking about a drop of five hundred percent in less than a year. And 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 uh, at the same time, <clears throat> sorry, at the same time, we were looking at at competitors like Voodoo, Quali, and and other uh, other makers and publishers of, of hyper casual games. And Wudu, which which is probably the biggest competitor and definitely the biggest player in the market, peaked um, had had um, had thirty five million in January installs, whereas Ketchup had thirty. So they were kind of neck to neck in January, but in September, um, the, uh, the Wudu had forty seven million downloads versus uh, Ketchup's five uh, Ketchup six. So the, the I mean. I have to say that the ketchup has to be in, in a, some kind of red alert mode because they have been losing installs left and right. And for those games, that's revenue. So if ketchup is in a red alert mode, that means Ubisoft altogether is in red alert mode because they're losing market share in the growing mobile market or, or mobile, mobile, you know, mobile, mobile market. Yeah, mobile game, mobile games market. So yeah, that puts a that that puts a big question mark, and through that, there's definitely a reason for them to to acquire Zynga because they would get a significant boost to their to their uh, portfolio. And I'm not talking about you know bringing in their franchises 
through through Zynga into mobile, but I'm just talking about Zynga altogether. I mean, it, they have a pretty impressive portfolio from everything to puzzle to simulation to racing to make core to RPG, even even pretty casual games through arc, through Gram games. So um, it would be a great addition to to Ubisoft, and it would be the type of acquisition that that Activision did with the King, where they essentially bought um, bought a cash cow, um, a, a, a mature mobile business. So that's my analysis. I think it it makes a lot of sense. I think Ubisoft definitely should be looking to beef up their mobile portfolio, and and they have to fix catch up. That that looks very worrying. So Eric, yeah. So yeah, I am in total agreement that Ubisoft definitely needs some kind of mobile strategy. I think uh, so far, you know, they're very poor execution on the mobile industries to date. Um, Historically, you know, they own Gameloft, um, and you know that was kind of their surrogate mobile arm until they uh, divested it and created a separate company. Gameloft, of course, was acquired by Vivendi in a hostile takeover in 2016. So since that time, I think they've been trying to go on their own and have a few games out on market. Um, but I don't know how much Ubisoft really understands mobile or free to play in general as a as an organization, you know. However, with the success of Rainbow Six Siege recently, which is an amazing game that continues to grow, you know, the company is, I think, finally kind of embracing the model and starting to think about how they can apply it to their existing portfolio. But I think so far it hasn't really translated to mobile. Um, you know, their portfolio is basically kind of companion apps for assassins, some cool like action games, Hungry Shark, and the most recent releases like Star South Park um, and uh, Might and Magic are really interesting games, actually really well-made games. South Park is even is really interesting because from the look of it, it looks like it was going to have an ex- be very successful, but part of it seems like they didn't support it. And my understanding is that both Trey and Matt are not a big fan of microtransactions. I mean, they had a whole episode that was basically against microtransactions and kind of making fun of the companies that were doing it. Um, and I think they pulled kind of support and, and trying to push, uh, you know, really aggressive monetization on those games for that on that game in particular. And Might and Magic was the same kind of thing. It's like it kind of just lost steam after a month, although the game was really well made. Um, so I, I'm thinking coming from Kabam, it seems like they just don't have the resources or the, the drive or the ambition to like spend a lot of money on these mobile games. So in a sense, strategically, this deal makes sense. However, the problem is, is it's too large. Uh, you know, Ubisoft is a relatively, you know, small company compared to Activision and EA, you know, around, I think around $12 billion, um, in market cap. And so $4 billion acquisition is pretty big um, for them. Uh, and they would only get about a billion in additional revenue. Um, you know, if the market was really growing in the West significantly and, 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 and Zynga had a great strong pipeline, which I don't think they do, um, it might make sense if you can tell a growth story, but I don't think they really could tell that story. Um, and the other thing is I think that the, the synergies between the two companies is kind of lacking, right? Zynga really doesn't have the teams or the expertise to leverage you know, Ubisoft's big brands like Assassin's Creed and Far Cry and Ghost Recon, et cetera. Um, but having said all that, you know, because of their lack of understanding, they could create a separate entity in which Frank could run and 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 build out their games and build out the strategy across all the different platforms. Um, but I think it's just tough to swallow. I think it's really challenging for a CEO of Ubisoft to really manage given their level of kind of understanding and sophistication in the, in the, in the space. And again, you know, they are primarily focused on delivering AAA content, um, uh, and, and that seems to be their focus is to build with their existing mm-hmm. IP and new IPs in AAA. 
So right. that's kind of my take. So Eric, have you seen the, I was actually just watching the Assassin's Creed Rebellion video this morning. It actually looks pretty good. Do either of you guys have any insight into that? But it sounds like it's launching November 21st. No, I'm not really too familiar about that. What I do know is that actually Assassin's Creed has implemented some pretty strong monetization design um, in this latest iteration. So that's really, really good for them because historically they've really not done well at all with uh, monetizing Assassins. But I'm not really familiar with uh, what you're talking about. Right. And one question I wanted to ask you for, you know, for the benefit of our listening audience is these, these announcements around streaming, and in, in particular, uh, you know, Ubisoft announced a, a streaming partnership with Google, which allows you to play Assassin's Creed Odyssey on a Chrome browser for free. And it's, it's kind of being described as just a technical test for, for this initiative called Project Stream. Do you think that this has any, you know, could mobile also be a part of this equation in terms of, uh, you know, having Ubisoft be interested in Zynga? You know, my sense is that the the project stream, what Microsoft and Google are working on, are primarily geared towards AAA um, HD releases, um, and that I don't know if their focus is going to be on mobile at this time. Um, again, they're trying to create the Netflix of gaming, and this probably deserves a whole other podcast because I could talk about this for hours. But at the end of the day, um, I don't think mobile is really part of this consideration. Um, maybe in the long term it will be. Uh, you know, it's hard to say, but. Yeah, so from my perspective, it definitely seems like Ubisoft is interested in beefing up mobile. I mean, clearly, when they acquired Ketchup, they, they were making a play in terms of how, how do they develop a longer-term mobile strategy. And the one other comment I have on this is just this, this whole sort of digital transformation uh, for console, uh, console companies, where uh, there was actually a great report by uh, a banking analyst by the name of Brett Nowak. I think he's from Morgan Stanley. But about a year or so ago, he released a report where he talked about this shift in the console market from a goods sold model to engagement monetization. And if we think about console as having to make this transition to free to play to microtransactions that uh, you know a console based company would need to acquire that sort of expertise. And so whether it's Zynga or another company, clearly built, bringing that expertise in, internally would be good for a company like Ubisoft, or even other console companies. So in conclusion, uh, let's talk about some of the other names that that we haven't talked about, at least in this episode or, or the last podcast. And, and the one that comes to mind is Nexon. Eric, I know you had some thoughts on Nexon. Yeah, you know, Nexon's kind of a remarkable company. You know, they have a, um, a Western CEO, um, uh, Owen Mahoney, who actually I worked with at EA for briefly. But um, the ironic truth is that they've been trying to do a lot of uh, Western style stuff, but nothing's really stuck. And the majority of the revenue is still being generated by a game in China of all things. Um, so uh, the uh, Kingdom, oh shoot, Kingdom Fighters, whatever, fighting game. Um, so Nexon makes sense strategically to like really kind of jumpstart their Western operations. and um, But again, it seems a bit too big and it seems like a, be tough to convince their shareholders or their, their board that this would make strategic sense for for Nexon, but it's definitely a possibility. You know, they would. And what, are your, what are your thoughts on Activision? I think Activision is is sitting happy with King. You know, they basically bought an asset for ten times EBIT and stock 
is trading at 26 times earnings. So they got their absolutely massively accretive deal with King, um, and we're really and Bobby was really smart about that acquisition. I, I honestly, I just don't think Zynga fits their profile um, of what they would want to be doing. Got it. Are there any other names out there that you guys can think of, or have we pretty much at this point covered all of them? You know, I, I still like you know something like Gung Ho, who haven't really made a game since. Um, you know, puzzles and dragons. That makes sense to me. The other one that came, kind of came to me was after the after the last podcast was Aristocrat. So Aristocrat is making a bigger push into the digital side because um, as their core kind of casino business continues to stagnate, they bought Plarium, they bought Big Fish. Um, Jeff Carp, who used to work at EA with Frank and I, uh, is the CEO of the digital business. I think Jeff and Frank are friends. Um, but the acquisition would be very expensive for them. But uh, if they really want to be aggressive and think that digital is kind of their future, um, then the deal would totally make sense for them. Um, they are a $20 billion company uh, and a $4 billion deal is pretty steep. But I think they're talking to shareholders about that is their strategy going forward. So it could make some sense. Mm. Got it. So then in conclusion, let, let's end with our specific predictions. Mishka, Eric, who do, who do you think this bidder is? G- g- give me your prediction. All right, I can kick it off. I mean, <clears throat> I do have to say that I, I still like EA, but I know that that's not going to be um, that's 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 almost like what my heart wants. But it's not it's not going to be the deal. It's it's too close. The portfolios are definitely too close, and and for EA it would be almost as admitting defeat if they would buy Zynga. It's kind of like you know they couldn't do them themselves, so they bought identical identical to EA Mobile, um, even though. Overall, it would make total sense in, in terms of processes, the people. It would fit like a glove in in in, in the whole EA EA world. I mean, most of the people at Zynga are from EA. Most of the leadership, at least. Uh, but I do have to agree with with Eric on on in, in terms of like what my mind says is like Aristocrat sounds great. I mean, they have been making these giant purchases. It seems like their casino business is so profitable that they have to invest the money somewhere, and they can get growth from their core business. So they're looking to diversify their portfolio. They bought the big fish, so that a lot added a lot of slots games, but also a lot of simulation. And um, I think puzzle games. So those those are the kind of like the two categories. And you know, by, by buying Zynga, they could they could really beef up their presence in mobile, as well as put put um, put Big Fish and and Zynga kind of closer together. And Zynga is is actually really good in in um, in terms of like mergers and acquisitions. I mean, the way the way they have bought companies and put those games into their portfolio has been great. So I think Zynga as, as this as this sort of like a central central piece in an aristocrat's portfolio just allows them to to make more purchases along the way. Um, so I, I like EA, but I think if I have to choose one, I would go there and say it's aristocrat. Right, Eric? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I really don't think they're for sale mm-hmm. at all. But um, <laughs> I think, you know, sometimes these leaks on Bloomberg, like unnamed source type things are, are more of, you know, a way of supporting their book, you know, if they own Zynga or whatever. Um, if it was like Wall Street Journal, it may hold a little bit more water. But um, anyway, at the end of the day, uh, you know, looking at the groups of companies, I yeah, I think Aristocrat makes the most sense from a strategic perspective and an Asian company trying to just get a foothold in the West. Although many have failed, like DNA and Three and um, et cetera, but um, you know, I think that makes sense as well. So something like Gung Ho. Got it. 
right, and I will. I, I think both of you guys have convinced me. So I, I'll also take Aristocrat just based on how convincing you guys were, but with the outside chance that it could be ten cent. Nervous about the the Chinese legal <laughs> So there you have it, everyone. I think uh, unless there's any other comments left from one of you guys, I, I think that's yeah. Wrap. This was the the shortest podcast we've ever done. So. So um, I think everybody's happy. Yeah, and stay tuned. I I think the next podcast we're doing will talk about Glue, uh, my favorite <laughs> mobile game company. Yeah, yeah, it should be a great <laughs> sarcasm. <laughs> no, okay. So that's the next podcast. Uh, we can we can end this one at, at this uh, here, and um, stay tuned for Glue full analysis. Thank you. Bye. Bye.